This podcast was recorded live at the InfoLinks booth on the Iltacon trade show floor. In this segment, you'll hear a few sporadic, loud rings. The sounds are from a carnival game at another vendor booth a few yards away from us. We apologize. Please enjoy the interview. Thanks so much. Hello and welcome to InfoLinks on the Record, the podcast that explores the complex challenges of the information management industry. I'm your host, Kurt Thies. And I'm Olivia Vinkler. And we're on the road recording live in Orlando, Florida at Ilticon 2019, getting insights for some of today's most innovative legal technologists. Today, we're with Lee Isaacs. Lee, tell me about your firm and your title there. So I'm the Director of Information Governance and Records at Roscoe Rose, primarily New York firm. I'm based out of the Washington, D.C. office. And when did you get started in the legal profession? So I spent my entire career in legal, so starting back in 1985, so okay. it's been a little while. I kind of started working for sole practitioner, doing a little bit of everything. As is, I think, a lot of situations, people in my situation, I was kind of busy doing something else, and someone said, hey, we have uh, the spot to fill in records. Can you, you're really good at this, so let's just put you over here. And that was in 2002. That was in Um, the days before it was information governance. There was no information governance at the time, no. But it was very interesting, and little did I know at the time that it was going to end up being one of the most rewarding career paths that I could have been on. So that's kind of how I've made my entree into records and IG. So, when did you start Proskauer and where have you been before that? So, I was I joined Proskauer in October of 2018, okay. so been here a little less than a year. Prior to that, I was I spent a few years at White & Case, a uh, similar role, Director of Records and IG. And then prior to that, I was at Warwick, Harrington & Sutcliffe. And then prior to that, which is where I started uh, in records, was at Heller Ehrman. So, that was in 2002. And I was actually fortunate at the time, unfortunately the firm doesn't exist anymore, but they were very... Uh, progressive and how they were looking at kind of their how the technology and the information kind of uh, intersected with one another. So well, I got a lot of learning from some that. of the most prestigious firms uh, in the legal industry. And how did you start your focus on technology? So it was interesting. You know, when I was when I was at Heller, the uh, the records function was aligned in through the information technology department. Okay which was a little bit serendipitous, I think. So I I had the benefit of having a lot of great mentoring and and the opportunity to work with a lot of smart technology people. And it just piqued my curiosity. And so I was starting to see a lot of, even then, the synergies between the systems and the records. And this is when e-discovery hadn't really made its its big entree into the industry. you know, there was still the, the records department where things were kind of going down to the back office and that sort of stuff, but we were grappling with the increasing volume of the electronic information, the, the documents, the data sprawl, where things were, email, and that sort of stuff, and so started looking creatively at how we could address some of those issues. So tell me a little bit about that. What have been some of the changes in technology, some of the innovations that you've seen? I mean, I, I think and it's been a necessary thing to have happen, is that one of the challenges over the years has been, I think the traditional approach to, to records was with the big stick. And, yeah. and to get compliance, there was the expectation that end users would do you know, these five, six, seven, eight, nine things. And in reality, that doesn't necessarily work. What I've been really interested and excited to see over the years as the technology has evolved is that while it, 
it certainly brings new challenges. I think from an end user perspective, whether it's some of the, the analytics tools, um, the AI, any, any sort of um, enhanced learning capabilities, automation, workflows, yeah. it, it helps take a lot of that out of the hands of the, of the end user. So, you know, but even years ago, just kind of looking at how you can design systems that require kind of minimal impact from an end user. So, you know, if, if they're having to decide, having to spend too much time deciding where something goes, they have to click too many times, they're going to find workarounds, they're not going to do what, they're, what you want them to do. And so technology, as it's evolved, has really helped, I think, address some of those problems. And tell me about uh, some of the things that you've been passionate about within your career. Generally speaking, I, um, I was just talking about you know problem solving. I, I, I like to solve problems. I like to solve puzzles. And that's one of the things that I'm really excited about with the industry that I'm in. Because there's always something new. Um, there's still a stockpile of things, the legacy things, that have to be addressed and have to be fixed. And so I like kind of looking at it from a, a business process standpoint, really kind of analyzing where we are, where we need to be, kind of mapping out how we get there. And then I, I really derive a lot of passion over working collaboratively with teams of people to make those good things happen. So can't do any of this by myself. And so finding the right resources, bringing the right people together, whether it's internal stakeholders, it's IT teams, it's records teams. And then two, personally rewarding for me is working with a lot of the records folks that have been very, very good at their jobs for a very long time. They realize the industry is changing and giving an opportunity to get them involved and get them excited um, and, and kind of give them those opportunities as well. Some career development. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So do you have any examples of the problem solving, some challenges that you've taken on and what some of those results have been? Yeah, well it's really kind of hard to, to pick one. I think just kind of looking at a practical example, you know, in, in, in one of my roles, um, you know, just dealing with the data sprawl, right? Um, mm -hmm. the, the use of share drives. So, you know, come into an organization that had no governance. It was the Wild West, large global organization. So just kind of stuff everywhere. And having to kind of come in, and that was kind of the, of all of the things that I was just talking about that get me excited and passionate about what I do, is that there's that assessment and figuring out what the business problem is, selling it internally so that those in a position of having to put resources behind things understand that there's a need to do this. Yeah. But then also being able to go out and identify the right team, whether it was recruiting from outside, gathering internal teams between IT, e-discovery, mm -hmm. um, looking at the internal tools that we had to start to try to build the business case, right? Because you know, the first step in solving that problem was not, we have to go out and buy a really expensive tool. Yeah. Right. It's a, how can we start to make some grassroots efforts to make some changes? Where do we have our pockets of opportunity? Build that business case, start to show the ROI, and then you can go bigger, and then ultimately you know, show the big bang value. Yeah. So at the different firms that you've been at, has the role been similar? Has the, the, have the challenges been similar? That's a good question, and, and actually, no. You know, I've had the same similar title in the last several uh, roles that I've had, but you know, what I've shared with many is that I think, and a lot of it is because, for a variety of reasons, but the job has not been the same. And I think that's because of there's cultural differences within organizations, mm -hmm. so just the way they go about doing things, the appetite for disruption and change, 
the willingness to implement policy, that sort of stuff, and kind of what the legacy issues are. So, for example, as I, as I came into my new role here, new-ish role, the example that I just gave, you know, with the file share environment, I walked into a situation where a lot of work had already been done there. So yeah. that's not necessarily an area where I have to put my primary focus immediately. But because there's so many things that fall under the information governance umbrella, I just think there's a lot of opportunities for the focus to go in different ways. Yeah. Wait, before you mentioned that you really like problem solving, as I'm hearing you talk about the things that you solved and your passion for being around the people, I'm seeing how like it's like such a good fit for you and like the problems might be similar, but how you address them within each firm based on the culture, based on the team available, based on the willingness of upper management to help. It is kind of like a it's a creative puzzle almost. Like you have to it change. Is. It is. It is. And you have to be willing to, you know, talking about, you know, liking to kind of have that strategic plan and, and, and solve the problems, but you also have to have the flexibility to be able to adjust along the way. Mm -hmm. Because as you start down a path, either you learn things that you didn't know initially, right. which means you have to adjust, or other circumstances change. And so you've got to have that willingness to be agile. And that's one of the things that I've found interesting in working with a lot of the people who've been performing similar roles for a really long time is kind of working through and beyond that change is scary. Um, yes. And you, know, and you hear a lot you know, here at conference and talking about innovation and disruption, and you have to be willing to take risks and, and you know, have the ability to, to have some failures, yeah. which is a little scary when you're thinking yeah. about IG and records because the risks of doing it wrong are so high. Right. Um, but you do have cost. to find that balance uh, mm -hmm. because you're not going to always get it right the first yeah. time. And so how can you foster that sort of environment where you can do that? Well, and I know you're a frequent speaker and a, a published author, and you've been involved in uh, pioneering a lot of key organizations in the industry. So how is uh, the work that you've done translated into sharing that uh, with other people? I'm glad you asked that question. So that's that's also one of the things that I get really excited about. Going back to, to when I you know, made my entree into to records in IG before it was even IG, I had worked in law firms a really long time. I didn't know anything at all about records, to be honest. And my style is one that if I'm going to do something, I'm going all in. So I immersed myself with learning. I jumped into the deep end of the pool and was like, I volunteered to write for ALA, for the legal administrators. And that forced me to kind of go out of my comfort zone, learn something new. And I learned from a lot of my peers. And as I started to gain more experience myself, for me it was very important to give back. And even still, for as long as I've been doing this, anytime I write an article, anytime I speak, anytime I have a conversation with someone, I feel like I'm learning yeah. still as much as I am sharing. So it's kind of, you know, it's not all selfless. It's it, There's mutual right. benefit. I think one of the things, you know, ILTA has been a wonderful organization and foundation for my career development, still is. But then I think from the law firm information governance perspective, specifically, was the law firm IG symposium that was formed in 2012. And I think that's a group I'm particularly perhaps biased, but also proud of the work that's been done. We developed a framework for information governance for law firms. Actually, this year, our focus is to go from the proposed framework to the framework. So okay. we went from being kind of a group of industry thought leaders to say, this is what we think it should be. 
seven years later, having had it been tested and proved within various law firms, we're now coming back and saying, no, this is it. This is the yeah. standard. So what are some of the big topics? I know data privacy has been big. What are some of the, the things that you, you tackle within those standards? So actually, one of the things that we have within that, um, and you know, this is not, not any sort of shameless plug, but we have our executive summary that we're releasing tonight, actually. We're going to be having our more formal papers released for ARMA in October. Okay. Um, but there's a IG process wheel that has, I believe we've got 13 different processes. We might have added a couple because we reviewed a lot of them. Um, obviously, data privacy is one that, interestingly enough, in 2012 was not on there. So that was one that this year we came back and we're like, no, we have a big gap. Yeah. There's a lot of discussion, should it be lumped in with security? Because we already had information security on there. Yeah. We made a very deliberate decision to say no. They need to be, they need to have their own standalone places. For law firms, we're still focusing a lot on what we call matter mobility. So as lawyers come and go from firm to firm, which okay. happens routinely, yeah. client files are going from firm to firm. So, and that's paper, that's electronic. We're trying to establish some kind of standards and guidelines in the industry to make that process a little bit better and more seamless. Retention and disposition. I was going to ask about that, yeah. that's always a little bit unique within the legal community. Who owns the files? Is it work product? Yeah, and we've actually kind of carved it out separate. So we've got the retention and disposition, which is really just kind of the, the activity as it would apply to any organization. Uh -huh. But then we also have matter lifecycle management, which really references from a law firm perspective, from the time a new matter is open and information is coming in, you know, or area of law is chosen and all of the downstream things happen, till the time the matter is closed and then you know the triggers happen for the retention and disposition activities to take place. I see. Yeah. And since you were have worked at some of the, the largest firms that have multiple offices, what are some of the challenges of being at a law firm that has a headquarters location, satellite offices or just multiple offices? How do you keep them all in sync and consistent and standardized on their processes? That's another good question. So technology helps with that a lot. I think going back to kind of the team interaction, you know, you have to make sure you've got the right awareness, the right representation. It's kind of hard to be everywhere at one time, but you know, with video conferencing and a lot of the communication capabilities, that that kind of makes that piece a little bit um, less difficult. But it really does take an investment in time and getting to understand because even within the firm, each office has its culture. And one sort of, you know, either training or deployment model might work well in one office and not so well in another. So you really have to take the time to get to know the personality of the office. And as you're, you know, as I like to say, I mean, you have to identify what are those standards that apply globally? Because we need them, whether it's policy, process, there's core things that we have to do the same way across the board. But then where do you have that wiggle room to allow some flexibility? Yeah. And, and that goes with practice groups as well, because you know our practice groups work very differently. I just did some process mapping activities with um, our private client services group and our labor and employment group and very, very different ways of working. And so, you know, you have to and take the, the time to really understand the way that people work. Um, because that's another way, I think, for any sort of IG program to fail, is if you assume that it's a one-size-fits-all, yeah. and then you're trying to roll it out and it doesn't work, and people just, they'll abandon it or they'll go rogue and do something you don't want sure. them to do. 
from talking with you, I'm hearing that the time you take to implement, whether it's getting to know the team, getting to know the product, getting to know the culture, is so important. And it sounds like you, one of your big values is just having, like, setting the right time aside and the right resources aside to get the best job done. And I think I think companies need to be more open to that because I think sometimes people are so focused on, like, I need it by this quarter, I need it by this date. And really, they should be focusing on the success and, like, where do the people fit? Where does the team fit? I think you're exactly right, and it's a, it's a fine balance, I think, because, I mean, obviously, especially in a law firm, right, if I'm not a revenue generator, mm-hmm. I'm... You know, I'm overhead. So you, you, there's all, you're always in that position of kind of having to quantify your value and what are you bringing to the table. I think you make a really good point. I feel like I'm fortunate that I'm working for a firm that kind of appreciates that some of those things are a little bit more difficult to quantify, mm-hmm. but it's valuable and it does take time. Right. But at the same time, I try to strategically pick those other maybe smaller things that work towards the greater goal right. that you could start to measure, you could tick off the list, you could, right. so you're you're still showing quantifiable progress uh-huh. while you're still doing a yeah. lot of this relationship building. Yeah, like the flexibility and adaptability you were talking about before, you're like, this is how this person works, how do I get the buy-in with them, and then it might be different how you get the buy-in with the users. You've had a career where you can kind of reflect back, what are some of the things that have completely changed in the profession that were part of the early days and... Oh, that list is long. Um, <laughs> is that right? You know, I think that as we migrate farther away from paper, at least farther away from having paper as the official file, yeah. um, I, I still, I, I laugh anytime I hear paperless. Well, no, I will never be paperless. But, but I think the fact that, in a sense, everybody's a records manager because you're either receiving or yeah. generating information, but that's not your, your first job, right? So, right. you know, your lawyers support staff, that's just not what they do. And so it's been a total shift. Has the ratio of uh, support staff to lawyers changed through that time? Yes, so less support staff. So there's been increasing pressures yeah. that, you know, there's less people to provide that support. I started um, in the days where attorneys didn't have Computers, that was a new thing. Email was a new thing. That's when I started. Um, And when I first started in law firms, I worked as a secretary. You know, and I did everything for, and I would work for like two two lawyers, was generally a partner and associate. And now you've got, you know, six attorneys to one secretary, or you've got a secretarial pool where there's nobody designated. It's just, you know, that's changed as well. In some respects, I'm trying to kind of use that in a way as an advantage for the records team of sorts, um, you know, because as they start decreasing their focus on paper and for retaining less, there's other things that are consultative in nature that they can do in helping to work in a practice group. So right. still searching and finding information is a challenge. If they're putting things in the DMS, they need to have, you know, practice teams need help with finding the right folder structures. Those are things that some records people are trained to do. Right. So take those skill sets that they have become so good at doing on the paper side and turn them more to a consultative focus where they're providing some of that help on the digital side. So then if we look into the future, what are the things that you think will continue to transform or things that will be different in the practice of law in the the coming years from what we're used to today? So I think one of the challenges is going to continue to be the introduction of more and more technology. So a lot of the, the process automation 
auto classification. I know that's not a new thing, but still law firms have not necessarily embraced it as much as other industries, I don't think. So I think a lot of the impact that those tools and solutions are going to bring and those functions versus what people have done right. is going to continue to evolve and, and be disruptive, but also bring opportunities too for those that so will. will there be some of the, the AI technology where it starts to do more of the traditional legal thinking of attorneys? You know, there's been a lot of talk about that. The keynote this morning was kind of addressed on that a little yeah. bit. And I, I do suspect that that will play a role. Um, but that's not around the corner. Robots aren't going to be... I don't think so. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think so. No robot and, and takeover. No, and you know, and I, and I like to think that... Um, and this is the same thing that I tell my team when they get very nervous about, uh, you know, the, the way the industry's changing and, you know, am I going to have a job? Am I going to be yeah. outsourced? I mean, these sure. are all questions right, that are right. top of mind. And generally what I say is, is that, you know, if you have an open mind and you're willing to learn new things and you're willing to adapt, there are so many opportunities, they just don't look like what they used to. Yeah. So you need to be open-minded to that. Like how you were saying you need to outlet the record staff, like they're worried about being you know, let go as things start to move more paperless, but you're saying there's an elevation to their role they can have as consultative and working with the firm, like the entire firm, not just, you know, being in that like right. small room, like they can help consult and build the new structures that the firm will eventually be forced to follow as, you know, things like GDPR and more global laws come into place where you're going to have to be forced to comply and to have these things in place. Yeah, I mean, and that's another good point as far as things that are changing. Um, you know, back to the big stick approach. Culturally in law firms, one of the, the, the challenges that we've had in records and IG is, is really from the perception of these are my files. These are my things. Yeah. It's on my desktop. It's in my email. It is mine. Um, and the reality is, is that it is not. I'm creative that people have personal stuff on the sure. systems, yeah. but it's either firm business materials or it's client materials. And I think that we're getting to a point where, in some instances, there's going to be less permission yeah. to take action with things and more policy-driven, this is the way it needs to be. So, right. you know, GDPR is a perfect example. You have sensitive information in your mailbox. For whatever reason, we have to take action with it. Guess what? It's going to be it's going to be deleted. It's going to be whatever. Yeah. Um, and some of I think some of the, the argument and debate there is going to be taken off the table because there won't be a choice. Right. So specific to GDPR, so it's a European standard. How are you seeing that evolve here within the, the United States? It's interesting. So I was at my prior firm when you know we were doing a lot of the prep, and you know every day you're seeing kind of the countdown to the to the magic you know May date and. Yeah. And, and I almost think in some respects, this will probably sound crazy, but whether it was, you know, back in the day when we would have a risk management audit and it would get leadership's attention to actually look at our data hygiene and our information processes um, to, you know, e-discovery and then there was, you know, there's risks of doing things wrong and not knowing where your information is or deleting things too soon. Um, it kind of helps get, get the seat at the table. And so, as all the GDPR requirements are coming down, they're onerous and they're icky and they're painful. But from my, my glass full perspective, I'm like, great, this is giving us another business driver. And people are taking right. it seriously. To, to, right. to take seriously, to actually do something that really has needed to be done for a really long time. Yeah. 
Well, I think it's inspiring to hear the stories that you've shared about problem solving and as much as things have changed uh, through all the, the journey at different firms and where it's headed in the future. That if you solve problems, if you're engaged, if you lead, that there's a lot of work to be done and it will continue to drive that passion that you have. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, yesterday's keynote, I think one of the comments was, one of the, the pillars was, you know, fall down seven, stand up eight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that for those of us kind of in the IG trenches, that's those are some wise words to take heed to because you get knocked down a lot. You get yeah. a lot of doors yeah. slammed in your face and it's just, you're like, okay, this approach didn't work. Maybe I need to come at it another way or maybe I need to sit this to the side. Right. For a little bit, I'll go focus on something else and then come back and revisit it when the time is right. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're very busy and involved in the legal community. What do you do outside of this? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, sleep, no. Um, <laughs> yes. No, I spend a lot of time with my family. I have, uh, I have two boys who are not so little anymore. One's 28, one's 21. My oldest is getting married, so oh, I'll be spending some time planning a wedding. Oh. Yeah, that'll be great. But I like to do like home improvements and I like to take like somebody's junk and turn it into something pretty and oh, so wow. yeah. like all those shows you see on A and E that uh, Oh yeah, I love like flea market flip where they give yeah. you the assignments oh. and they have to go pick out these, you know, crappy things at a yard sale and then make something cool out of it. So what so. things have you done recently? Oh I'm wow. always intrigued because I have none of those skills. Yeah, I need I'm always so impressed. <laughs> I mean, it could be anything. I mean, you know, I'll find like a, a old uh, painted up table at a yard sale in somebody's front yard and kind of strip it down and stain it and, you know, make it into something nice. Um, I do a lot of, uh, the last thing that I did was I actually had seen, it was actually a wreath that was made out of old like music sheets, like music lyrics. Oh, wow. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And so I looked at it and I'm like, eh, I'm not going to, I could do that. So I just went out and got some old antique books at like the Wonder Book and Video and just <laughs> sat down for a couple of hours and put it together and it turned out really cool. Yeah. And so, oh my gosh. yeah. Like just kind of lets, yeah, yeah. It just it lets me detach for a while, and then at the end you have something ideally pretty. pretty. Yeah. Um, sometimes as I get a miss, but. Um. So how involved will you, will you be in planning the wedding? Um, Given your skills. Well, yeah. so, so I, I'm not going to step on the bride's mom's toes. Okay. So, uh, but I am fortunate that I've got a really good relationship with my daughter-in-law to be. So actually, when I go home this weekend, we're going dress shopping. So that's I'll so probably fun. be pretty involved. So I'm oh, looking that's nice that she included you. Yeah. Yep. And did you grow up in D.C.? I did. So born and raised in the area, not necessarily D.C., but in Maryland, um, okay. about 45 miles west of, mm -hmm. of D.C. So we're located in uh, Kensington, Maryland. Okay. Yeah, I'm out towards uh, like the Gaithersburg, Germantown area. Oh, so, yeah. A little town called Damascus, but generally nobody knows I where that there. is. So, yeah. yeah. Been there. Yeah. Little teeny, little teeny farm town. <laughs> We've been in the news for the wrong reasons of late, so oh. <laughs> next question. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we appreciate your time and sharing thank everything you. with us and look forward to uh, all your continued success. Excellent. Well, thank you for speaking with me today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lee.